Expatriate. Foreigner. Waigoren. Lao Wai. These are all words for similar things, but what the heck does it all mean? On this podcast, we are looking for understanding, looking for complication, looking for stories. We are looking for Lao Wai. Hi, this is Tony. And this is Hannah. And today we are going to talk about what first brought us here and what keeps us here. Why so many people are drawn to the Lao Wai lifestyle. These are the perks of being a Lao Wai. Where to even begin? Well, I think a lot of people come here for the job opportunities. People without experience or qualifications can teach English. Then you have the expat packages where companies will pay for housing, a driver, private school tuition for children, and more on top of already high salaries. But there are other perks too. It is pretty cheap to live here, so you can go out to eat or travel a lot more than other places. And foreigners just get offered a lot of things, like free drinks at clubs or being able to cut the line in restaurants. Yeah, I think a lot of expats get frustrated by China sometimes, but there are also a lot of things that make life quite easy here. I'm big into data, so I actually looked up some numbers about this. Want to hear three illuminating statistics about expats? You know I love some illuminating stats. Where do you get these from? From the China Society for Research on International Professional Personnel Exchange and Development. Whew, that is a mouthful. So, what did you find? One. As of 2010, there are about 600,000 expats living in mainland China, and about 200,000 of them are in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember this statistic from our trailer. Two, the 2014 survey found that 73% of expats in China barely or do not speak Chinese, and only 8% can speak basic or above Chinese. What? That is nuts. We live in China. And three, the same survey found that 23% earn more than 300,000 USD a year. Okay, coming from someone who definitely does not make that much, that last statistic is crazy to me. Yes. But we want to point out that overall we found it very difficult to find consistent and reliable statistics on these things. For this survey, it's possible there was some overrepresentation of the corporate package type expats. The numbers may not be totally accurate, but they do demonstrate one basic idea. On the whole, us Laowai, we have it good here. Right. I know when you sat down and talked with our friend June, she had a few things to say about this. So I'm June Allison. I'm from Dallas, Texas in the U.S., but I've been in Shanghai for about a year now. When I asked her what was unique about being a Laowai in China, this is what she said. The ease of life. You don't necessarily have to make an exorbitant amount of money to live a very, very comfortable life here. To live in a big apartment, to have a great social life, to go out with friends or dinner, etc. It's very manageable when you have this income that's catered to an expat. Not necessarily because of your credentials per se, but still your level of income is going to be significantly higher than the local Chinese person just because you're an expat. And with that, you can live a very good life here. I was talking to my brother, he's older than me, and all his friends live in New York and they live in shoe boxes. They live in tiny ass apartments. There's sometimes no money to do anything to go out with friends. And sometimes I feel a little 
I don't want to say embarrassed, but I kind of feel a little bad sometimes because I live a very, I live a great life here of being an expat. I am rather young, but I live in a great apartment. I'm too young to deserve that kind of room. I need to be living in the shoebox phase, just because I need to do my time. I definitely agree with June. I think Shanghai particularly has most of the opportunities of the big American city like New York, but you can have a nice life. You can travel. You can practice Chinese and meet people from all over the place. Yeah, I think for a lot of jobs, the salary is similar to what someone would be paid for that job in the U.S., but the money goes so much further here, and the salary is usually more than if a Chinese person were in that position. Right. I know at one of my old jobs, the difference in pay between Western and Chinese staff was something that we were all kind of aware of. I've even had a conversation with a cab driver where he told me how lucky I am because I grew up in the U.S. So even though I look Chinese, I'm not, which means I can make more money and have all these other benefits that a Chinese person doesn't get. Hearing that made me uncomfortable because I don't think of myself as Chinese at all. So I don't compare myself to Chinese people in their lives. I usually compare myself to my American peers. Well, that guy clearly agrees with us that Laowai and China get a lot of extra benefits. But when we went to a few of Shanghai's popular parks and asked people if they thought foreigners have an advantage, we heard something else. When you see Laowai, do you think that they are richer than Chinese people? These days, I wouldn't say so. Ten years ago, the mention of Laowai would conjure up that image. Now, everyone knows that not all Laowai are wealthy. Now, China is little by little moving up. Before, it was possible that a foreigner had more obvious advantages, but now, in comparison, these advantages are decreasing. Before, the advantages were much more substantial, especially those of foreigners from the Americas or Europe, countries where the economic development was greater than that of China. However, after 30 years of reformation, China's economic foundation has undergone extensive development. Because of this, at least the economic situation of the white-collared working class and above in China is not that different than that of foreigners. Wow, that's surprising. I was surprised too. But I wonder if part of the reason they are saying being a Laowai doesn't really have an advantage anymore is to save face. Yeah, I think that contemporary urban Chinese people see China as competitive with the West, and at times even more advanced. And I think that's true, at least from an economic perspective. More people in China are getting rich faster, and now there's this middle class and upper middle class that exists in a way it didn't even ten years ago. Also, the expat population isn't totally made up of wealthy businessmen anymore. Expats are getting younger and doing a lot of different jobs here. Not all of them are that well paid. I'm curious as to how this will change the dynamics between Laowai and Chinese people in the future. I think it's great to hear that the power imbalance is getting smaller, but it's hard to imagine a working and social environment that is totally equal. I'm also curious about what people throughout the rest of China, particularly in the countryside, think. A third of expats living in the entire country are just in this city, Shanghai, where Chinese people are also comparably a lot better off. I bet we would hear something else if we could survey other parts of the country. Even in Uxi, a city I used to work in that's only a 45-minute train ride from Shanghai, I think foreigners are treated a lot different from how they are in Shanghai. I talked to someone. Who works at an English training school there, and she had so many stories about things she had been asked to do just because she is a foreigner. 
So my name is Tina, I'm from Holland and I've lived in China for four and a half years. People from uh, TV, Wuxi yeah. Local TV, they offered me and my boyfriend a day of photo shoot because they were preparing something for Mid-Autumn Festival, uh -huh. like a video about experts in China uh -huh. and specifically in Wuxi. So we spent the whole day, they took us to um, you know the Shihui old city, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, they yeah. took us to the temple to take uh, pictures. They paid for everything. And you know, like entrances, mm -hmm. tickets, and then they gave us some cash as well, like pay for the whole day of shooting. Right, right. And I was like, wow, that was nice. We had a lunch. They paid for tickets. They gave us money. I love that. <laughs> Lots of things like that happen. I don't remember all of them anymore. Oh, I hear about things like that all the time, but it's only if you look foreign, and usually if you're white. The prestige always goes up if you have a white face. At least, that's what a lot of Chinese people think. So, if you fit the image of what people think of as a foreigner, you get offered all these strange and random things. I think that's definitely true. When I talked to our friend Michael, who you might remember from our previous episode, we had a conversation about how a lot of the perks of being a Lawai are tied to looking like one. This is a podcast, so I'm really white, like about as white as a human can be. And because of that, I've gotten a lot of opportunities that I think that other people haven't been able to get. Even in my first year, you know, I was, I was working this sort of crappy job. They promised me a university job and I ended up teaching second grade. And so I, I was working this job, but I kept getting these offers for like, you can make a thousand RMB an hour just hanging out at Starbucks with this kid. And I don't think that would happen to like people of color. I think the second part of it came when I actually got a job that's on a career path. I started as like a junior person and I'm now like my position as a national director. And I haven't seen anyone else advance in quite the same way. And I'm not self-loathing about it. Like, I think I'm, I'm good at my job and I, I do all of that. But at the same time, I'm very conscious of the fact that it wouldn't happen if I weren't the whitest man alive. And I think that that's something that more expats are aware of than one might think, because it really, in a way that at least the U.S. doesn't confront you with, it really confronts you with your right, white privilege, like smacks you in the face with it the minute you get here. Right, right. And for you, has there ever been like a time when you reached a limit that you like said, hard, no, I can't do this? I don't think it's... It's ever gotten there. Maybe it should have, actually, now that you mention it. I don't know that I've ever gotten something that I didn't feel comfortable doing. I think the things that I wasn't qualified to do that I did anyway were mostly acting gigs. I got invited along to this dinner with the principal at Nan Shi Fujong. And the principal wanted basically people who look like me to rep for Lazy Boy in China. You know, like the recliners, mm -hmm. the Lazy Boys. And so we were asked to prepare a statement about our history with Lazy Boy. I'd been watching a lot of Mad Men at that point, and so I was like really into it. You know, I didn't know any Chinese or whatever, but they didn't want Chinese. They wanted me to like say it in English so someone could translate. And so I came up with this basically version of Don Draper's carousel speech where he talks about nostalgia. And so I got into nostalgia. My grandfather used to sit in the Lazy Boy. He did not. Whenever a grandchild was allowed to sit in the Lazy Boy, it was a big deal. He never let anybody sit in his chair. So when I think of Lazy Boy, I think of family. I think of togetherness. I think of nostalgia. And then I just sat down, and I was just, like, so pleased with myself. 
And it, it was only like, I, I think when I got the money that I was like, oh my god, this was ridiculous. I think so. you may be like one of the people who's tried the hardest at one of these kinds of jobs. <laughs> well, I loved it. I mean, I tried too hard at everything, but of course I was going to try too hard at right, this. Right, right. It seems like everyone has their own balance of what they are and aren't going to take advantage of, and their own way of coping with the difference in how law why are treated here. It's hard to be totally able to tell what you're being offered because you're foreign and what you're disqualified for. Plus, a lot of expats will use being foreign strategically just because it can make life easier. And that's something all expats can do, at least at times. I did a lot of interviews with Chinese heritage expats, and it was very popular to to pretend not to understand Chinese in order to get out of something. Our friend Mary told us a story that is exactly like that. So we had just left the Dongbei place, and I got a mo bike, and I forgot that Huaihai Zhonglu is a, a no bike road. So I uh, saw a couple of police officers like standing on the sidewalk, and in my head I was just like, oh, f- and they like held out their hands and made me slow down. And so I got off the mo bike and started to bring it up onto the sidewalk to kind of see if I could just like bike away without them giving me any extra trouble. But they stopped me and one of the police just like leaned into me and was like, or something like that. And I just looked at him in English and I was like, sorry, what? Put on my biggest dumb foreigner smile, basically. And then he was just like, as, as most people do when you just speak English at them, he just got this like, look of momentary panic on his face and then leaned into me and was like, do you speak Chinese in English? And I just looked back and was like, oh no, I'm sorry, but do you speak English? And he just looked at me again and repeated, do you speak Chinese? And I was just like, oh, nope, sorry, um, but uh, I speak English. And so then there was this other woman who was just unlocking a mobike on the sidewalk and then she was going to clearly ride it on the sidewalk. And I just pointed at her and I was like, I can just ride on the sidewalk like she is, right? And so the police went to her and then in Chinese was like, oh, so like, who's your friend? And the woman was like, I don't know her. And then he was like, oh, but she just pointed at you. And so they had this brief conversation confused by why I had pointed her out. And then she just kind of rode off after talking to the police, telling them that she didn't know me at all. And then the police looked back at me again and they're like, for like a third time, was like, do you speak Chinese? And I was like, no, sorry, but English? And then I pulled my bike up onto the sidewalk and like got back onto it and I was about to ride off and they kind of stopped me. So then I just like smiled at them again, that like big dumb smile and pointed at the road and I was like, sorry, road, no. And then I made like a big X with my hands and then I was like, sidewalk, yes. And then like did a double thumbs up. There's that like moment of like, oh, I give up. And then just, they just kind of like repeated my like, Point at the road, no, X, sidewalk, double thumbs up. And I was like, okay, thanks, bye, and just rode off. I've tried to do that with the Shanghai police before, but they spoke English. I ended up having to pay a fine, and I was late to work. I've done it too once, so I can sit in the first class car of a train, rather than standing the whole ride because the other seats were filled. The stewardess had this exact same look of bafflement on her face, because I purposely actually just talked really fast at her, and then she got really flustered. And it's not a moment I'm very proud of. I guess sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. A lot of the perks of being a Lawai are kind of that way. A. Different people have different levels of access to Lawai perks. And B. It manifests in different ways. Some more pleasant than others. It can be annoying to have a lot of attention on the street because of what you look like or the language you're speaking. 
But it can also mean you get offered side gigs or free stuff or get into the first class seat of a train. And there's a spectrum of perks. Some of them you just need a foreign passport to get, but others you have to look like the kind of foreigner people have in their minds. Overall, living as a foreigner in China can be really nice. But you're also so far from friends and family and have to deal with all these crazy things that happen here. I don't know, even all those crazy things can be a perk in the end, since you start to collect some pretty good stories. That's right. In the end, you gotta do it for the story. That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Do you have any stories to tell? Suggestions for future episodes? Email us at lookingforlawai at gmail.com. You can also stay up to date with all the latest episodes by following us on Facebook or signing up for our newsletter on our webpage, www.lookingforlawai.wordpress.com. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.